Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I pray that you had a, a blessed Thanksgiving wherever it was that you were for that. Uh, my family and I enjoyed some, some wonderful family time together over the last couple of days and, and for that I, I give God thanks. My kids, my, my oldest two in particular, Hazel and Max, they are really into the boxcar children books right now. I don't know if that's a family favorite of any of you, but when I was a kid, I loved boxcar children books as well. They're, they're, I think there's like 200 of them or something. We're on book six, but uh, they're, they're very short chapter books, pretty easy to read, and they have limited pictures in them. They're mostly just words. Uh, my daughter Hazel, who's in first grade, is learning to read, and so as we go along, she'll pick out words that she knows, and, 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 but she's not old enough yet to be able to read the whole story on her own. However, there are enough pictures in the book that she does enjoy on her own flipping through those pictures and, and just looking at them. The other night, we were in the very last chapter of one of these books, and we were reading that last chapter, and I got to a page that had a picture, and obviously I was reading the story that went along with the picture. I don't remember what the part of the story was, but I remember Hazel's reaction. She said, oh, now I know what that picture is all about. I, I saw it before a, a different day when I was flipping through the book, but I didn't know what it was, but now, now I understand. You see, to completely understand the story, you need to read all of it. To fully appreciate the beginning of a story, you need to make it all the way to the end. And to understand the ending of a story, you need to start at the beginning. And all along, to get the fullest experience of the story, you need to live in the story and to experience the full story. Today we are finishing up this sermon series on the book of Acts that we have been working through over the last two months. And in order to finish this book today, I want to go back to the beginning. Because to understand the full ending, we need to go back to the beginning. So if we go back to the beginning in Acts chapter 1, Jesus' disciples had asked him this question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. What do they mean by this? This is after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so they are, they're with Jesus. They've seen him die. They've seen him rise. They've been with him for 40 days. But what do they mean, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, the Old Testament pointed to this picture. The Old Testament has a lot to do with the restoration of the people of Israel. But Jesus, before his death and resurrection, about, if you're looking at a timeline, about 50 days prior to this, in the very last week of Jesus' life, Jesus had talked to his disciples about the end times. He had, he had talked to them about what will happen in the very end, be, before he comes and returns in glory to restore the kingdom to Israel. At least that's how the Jews understood it. Or as we might understand it, to bring about the new heavens and the new earth, to bring about eternal life. So there's this conversation that Jesus had had with his disciples, and today we read the tail end of it. It's in Mark chapter 13, but I want to look at a little of this conversation with you so that you can see what Jesus said. So if, we're, if we go to Mark chapter 13, at the beginning of it, Here's what happened. This is, this, this is, again, about 50 days prior to that Acts reading. 
and it's the very last week of Jesus' life, kind of in the beginning of that last week. They had gone to Jerusalem, Jesus went into the temple, he came out, and his disciples, who were small-town boys, were, were marveling at the, at the scope and size of the temple. And, and so they, they looked at that temple, and as Jesus was coming out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, hey, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will be not left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So Jesus is, is already saying to them, hey, you marvel at this greatness. Well, even this too will come down. And then Jesus goes into this long explanation to them that's kind of hard to understand, uh, but it's in, in, Acts chapter, or in Mark chapter 13. And Jesus goes into this whole explanation about what will happen before he comes back. And he warned of wars and he warned of rumors of wars. And he warned that there would be false teachers who would arise and try to lead people astray. And there would be people who come claiming to be Christ. And Jesus was very clear with his disciples on that day when he said these words. He said, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. If you've been with us in the last couple of weeks, this is what we've seen, particularly in the life of Paul. We've watched this happen to Paul. The prophecy of Jesus was very, very clear and very, very true. But Jesus went on to say in the next verse, And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. So Jesus is saying, all this stuff is going to happen before I return, all these things, but before I return, the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. The good news must be, it must be proclaimed to who? All nations. This is a consistent command of Jesus, if you think about it. So this, again, is a conversation right before the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus then died, then he rose from the dead. After rising from the dead, he spent 40 days alive on earth, and then he gathered together with his disciples before ascending to heaven. And so we're going to go back to Acts chapter 1, where this takes place. And so Jesus answered that question. Remember when they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus responded and he said this, It's not for you to know, times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right. What's Jesus' point in all of this? What's his point? He's, again, before his death and resurrection, he was pointing them towards the end and saying, all these things are going to happen. And now Jesus is continuing to say, all right, all these things are going to happen. But before it happens, I want you to go proclaim the good news. Jesus is essentially saying this. This is what the end looks like. Here's what the end looks like. It's sort of like my daughter Hazel flipping through that book, getting to the end of the book and seeing a picture and realizing, okay, the end is, is here. I, I can see what the end looks like, but, but not really fully understanding what it is or how to get there. And so Jesus is painting this picture and he's saying, here is the end. Here's what it's going to look like. But not even I know when it will happen. Only the Father knows. So, as you wait for the end to draw near, I want you to live in my story. 
I want this story that I've written for you to be fully lived out. Today, I want you to live in my grace. Today, I want you to have the forgiveness of your sins. Today, I want you to go and boldly speak my name in this world. As you wait for my return, be active. Don't you remember what I said before? This is what Jesus says. Don't you remember what I said before? The good news, the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations before I return. Jesus is very clear about this. And so that's what he says at the beginning of Acts, right? The commission to them, go and be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So here we have it. Here, we've read the whole book of Acts. We've read it from beginning to end. I've preached about it. I've encouraged you to be reading it. We, we've read through it all, and, and now, now we're done. The story is done, right? The story of Acts is done. Historically and truthfully, it is not done. As Luke wrote the end of that book of Acts, he left it ongoing. Why? Because the story is still unfolding even today. And you are part of it. You are part of it. You are still in this story of the book of Acts. So here's the deal. You have an idea of the end. Maybe not a full understanding, but you've, you've caught a glimpse of the end. But we're not quite there yet. But we know the truth. We, we know the truth of the end. We know that Christ has promised us a new life, a perfect life. He promised us a life that is free of pain, that is free of sadness, that is free of illness, that is free of broken relationships, that's free of death for eternity. We know the end. It's already accomplished. This truth is yours. It's already written into the story of what God is doing. It is already accomplished. Yet it's not quite fully realized for us just yet. The story is still being read. We're still working our way until we get to that point. Think of it like this. I want you to think of the, the eternal promises of Christ like this. Imagine that that you have very, very wealthy parents, unlike me, okay? Imagine you have very, very wealthy parents, and your parents left for you a very hearty trust, okay? They, they've, they've set aside money for you in a trust, and that money that's in that trust, it is yours, yes? It is guaranteed to you, it is for you, it's set aside for you, it's already there, but you won't be able to fully realize it or fully have it until the, whatever the terms of that trust are. If somebody dies or, or the terms of that trust come to fruition, okay? The money is there, it's guaranteed to you, but you don't quite fully have it yet. Let's imagine that the kingdom of God is like that. That the kingdom of God is, is awaiting you. It's a trust Let's say it's got more money in it than you'll ever know what to do with, all right? You're, you're going to have more money than you ever know what to do with. And let's say this, just because your parents are nice, they've given you a $1 million advance on the trust. You've already, so they're just going to give that to you. So you've got a million dollars, but coming to you at some point in the future is more money than you ever know what to do with. What will you do with that million dollars right now? I know some of you 
And, and, and so at this point, I'm going to shamelessly uh, plug a class called Financial Peace University, which teaches you how to budget and manage your money uh, well, because I know some of you and you're just going to go off and squander and buy a bunch of toys, okay? So here's a shameless plug, uh, learn how to manage your money wisely, all right? So what are you going to do with a million dollars? What would you do with it? If you know that you have unlimited resources coming, I hope that you would give a lot of it away. Frankly, I hope that you would give most of it away. Why would you not? You are going to have more than you need coming at some point in the future. And frankly, a million is probably more than you even need at this point. Such is the kingdom of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. Your full inheritance of heaven awaits you. It's already guaranteed to you an eternal life free of sin, free of pain, free of broken relationships, free of death. It is yours. It is coming. But you don't even have to wait until then to receive some of its miraculous benefits now because today you have the wonderful gift of the forgiveness of your sins. Today. Once again, that sweet and precious and simple news is true. Your sins are forgiven today. You have hope in Jesus today. You have peace that goes beyond human understanding in Jesus today. You have joy in Jesus today. Jesus was very clear multiple times that he will not come again, that this trust will not become yours until the good news is proclaimed to who? To all nations. So here's the deal. With that million dollars or with that gift of the forgiveness of sins that you have now, the good news of salvation, go and give it. Go and do not be silent for you are not the only one to be saved. This world needs the good news. God has given it to you to give to others and so go and do it. Give unlimited grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Share the love of Jesus in every opportunity. Because here's the reality. Are you looking forward to heaven? Are you looking forward to that return of Jesus Christ when all things will be made new? Yes, I am. And if you're looking forward to that, what are you doing to accelerate his coming? He says he's not coming back till the good news has been proclaimed to all nations. So what have you done to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the nations? In what way have you participated bringing the good news of Christ to the nations? The Apostle Paul, as we've been reading his story, he was just one man. Just one man. And through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, the whole Mediterranean Sea area of the first century was changed. It was changed by this one man's bold apostolic witness, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine this. Paul was released from prison as we read last week, the book of Acts ends with him in prison in approximately the year 61 AD. He was released from prison two years later, and history tells us that he went and spread the good news in the country of Spain. And so for about five years, he traveled around more, and he eventually ended up back in Rome, where he was incarcerated immediately by the same emperor that let him go, the Emperor Nero, and the Emperor Nero, history tells us, beheaded Paul and took his life. But Paul was just one man, and through his bold witness, the world was changed. 
What would happen to the world today if the church of today lived with even just a fragment of the boldness of witness that Paul had? My dear friends in Christ, do you believe that Jesus will truly return as he has promised? If you believe that he will return as he has promised, do you trust that the trust he set up for you is yours? If so, then what are you worried about? Why are you anxious today? Why are you stalling bringing the good news of Jesus to your neighbors? Go and give, go and speak. You are not the only one to be saved. Christ may come back later today. He is coming soon. I pray it boldly as we do in the scriptures. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. As I said already, today is the last day in the church year. I don't know if you know this, but, but the church calendar is a little bit different than the calendar we follow from January to December. Although it's close, the church year ends today and it begins new with the season of Advent. And so as we enter into this season of Advent, it's, it's a season, at least where we live, a season where it seems like everything around us is dying, <laughs> where plants go to sleep and they're, they're put to rest, where it seems like this is, a, this is a time of death. And in this time, we will be preparing for the birth of new life, the birth of the Christ child. And so as we enter into the season of Advent, starting next week, we'll, we'll be doing an Advent sermon series where we're going to follow the genealogy of Jesus as it's recorded in Matthew chapter 1. And this sermon series is going to be called, Who is Jesus? You can put up that final slide. The sermon series is going to be called Who is Jesus? And we'll follow this genealogy as we find out that Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus is the son of Solomon. Jesus is the son of Mary. And finally, on Christmas Eve, Jesus is the son of sinners. So this will be our Advent sermon series. I pray that you participate with us on Sundays and also on Wednesdays. And I pray God's blessings upon you this day and every day. Go in the peace of Jesus Christ. Go boldly in his name. Amen. Amen.